Hayes Paramore holding it down for Adam Gold. He'll be back next week. I think he's still doing Kane's broadcast. Oh, yeah. We're encouraging him to take a few days off. V to the Victoria producer. Is it V to the Victoria or V to the Victoria? V to the Victoria. It's an old name. There we go. Uh, The dream is dead. With all due respect to uh, David Shoemate on the call there for Duke. They got the job done last night. But the dream, much like a white Christmas, the dream is over. Yeah. And then much like a white Christmas, we saw the path to this happening. The elements seemed to be forming in the right way. There was every reason to have hope that we might have an undefeated bowl season for the teams from North Carolina. But alas, much like snow on Christmas, and don't talk to me about any sleet or small (laughs) accumulations, it did not snow. Snow in the clouds. Frozen ground does not equal white Christmas. No. Yes, no snow in the clouds does not count. (laughs) The dream is dead when North Carolina lost in the Holiday Bowl. I am Hayes Permar. That's Victoria. We've still got more bowl games to go, and we'll still have fun with the Dukes Mayo Bowl and the, you know, actual good bowl games that start to happen uh, closer and around to New Year's. We've got some good matchups coming up, including some involving ACC teams. But with North Carolina falling 28-27 last night to Oregon, the dream of an undefeated bowl season has, alas, Falling apart. I was hoping, especially because like I'm here this week and all yeah. all these teams are playing. I was in here. Wake played like last Friday and Central played before that. But like we were going to get to experience all the wins in real time because even the holiday, uh, the the Mayo Bowl is Friday. Yeah, and you'd say yeah, but you won't be able to talk about that because you're not on radio Saturday next Monday. But it's at noon. Yeah, there's a Happening decent now. chance. Yeah. Well, not not many college games seem to wrap in three hours these days. No. Football games go longer and longer, but. We would have at least been able to uh, see the direction of the game as it was happening. We were going to be able to experience it all. Ugh. Instead, we lost it. Dang it. Thud. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. But we got good games to talk about, too. So let's go ahead and jump out of the gate. They're off. That's right. It's North Carolina Bowl Week. Across America, it is the season to celebrate college football. From city to city, the passion is unrivaled. Coast to coast and beyond, the nation comes alive for Capital One Bowl Week. I didn't do the math this year. I've done it in the past. But, like, there are not that many states that have five or six FBS playing football teams, right? No. Obviously, like, Texas, Florida, California, the teams you think of that have them, right? Yeah. But, like, I don't know if New, New York is obviously a hugely populated state, but I don't think it has. It's got Syracuse, and I don't know who else is. Uh, is Buffalo, maybe, Division One or FBS, whatever. Um, so it is kind of cool. At times, you know, we're thought of as a basketball state. We don't produce a lot of national champions in our state no you know ever um and rarely are we competing in the just the the top top tier but it's not uncommon for us to get like four or five bowl wins because app or ecu or sometimes both are usually bringing in some some good play at the middle level and in recent years whereas duke state unc and wake none of them have been great We've seen plenty of times where, like, three of the four are good at the same time. And right now, four of the four going to bowl games. 
every reason to celebrate. That yeah. is like in 1987 or 1995. There's many times where it's like two or three of them are way down and one's doing okay with like eight or nine wins. Four North Carolina teams all going to bowl games, all in theory telling themselves, well, we, we don't have division crowns anymore. Like yeah. Duke and UNC would be telling themselves they could compete for the division next year. It's going to be a little bit different. But every reason for all four of them to think that they are in the top third of the ACC, sure. right? It might not shake out that way for all of them, but uh, they feel like they all feel, all four of them feel like they have good head coaching situations, right? Yeah. Maybe not the best head coach you've ever had or ever seen or exist in America, but good, solid head coaching positions at all four. So it was NC Central getting it done, 41 over Jackson State, 34. It was Wake 27 over an SEC team 17. It does not matter which SEC team it was. It was the SEC team. It was ECU over Coastal 53-29. to We were 3-0. and And then we kept it going yeah. in the military bowl. Duke 30. Central Florida 13. And can I say it? Yeah. It wasn't that close. No. Duke's defense was absolutely incredible. Absolutely smothering. Uh, Cam Dillon, nine tackles and two sacks. He was all over the place. I think he had one sack all year, came out with two sacks. Uh, Riley Leonard got the job done, 173 yards passing, another 63 rushing. You heard the rushing touchdown coming in there. Uh, some stats. Duke was 5-18, and 1-17 and 17 in the ACC the past two years. This year they went 9-4 and four with a 5-3 and three mark in ACC play, just the third season in school history where Duke finished with a winning conference record and won a bowl game. And their three ACC losses were by a combined eight points. Wow. They were not that far away from winning the Coastal Division and uh, and going to the ACC Championship in Mike Elko's first year. It's absolutely incredible what they did. Central Florida got a touchdown late. Not that Duke wasn't trying, but, like, it was kind of a busted play that they, they got a long uh, run on, and then they punched it in. Whatever, and then they tried the gadget play too much, and Duke like stuffed them on the uh, two point conversion to make sure that there was no chance uh, it was going to be a win. And then Duke added another score. But it was Duke's offense was perfectly fine and did their did their job. Duke's defense was amazing and stymied Central Florida in everything they tried to do. Congrats to them on the win. Coach Mike Elko talked about it after the game. This is the end of uh, of a really amazing journey for this group, and just so proud of them. Yeah, I told them all week that you know this story should end with them being the military bowl champions this year, and that they went out and they did it. They made enough plays today; they were able to get it done, and I couldn't be more proud of this group of kids. I can't remember that you know they lost by like three to UNC, I think two to Georgia Tech, and I can't remember who their other loss was yeah, to off the top of my head. I should know these things. Adam Gold would know these things. That's what you get <laughs> when you get backup guy in here. Uh, but yeah, I just know that like they were five and three, and it's not they didn't lose any games where they got just completely blown out or outclassed. It would have been nice to see them beat. Uh, Kansas was one of their losses. Yeah. And they were, I think they were winning that game at one point. That they was, were. Uh, a, a good game. So just a, an unbelievable football season for Mike Elko. Um, yes, Chip Patterson told us yesterday they had some schedule breaks. But basically playing in the Coastal uh, work, works out well. But there's no reason to believe, again, they were competitive in all their games, that they wouldn't have uh, had a, a good season. Maybe they wouldn't have gotten to nine wins. But this is a good team, and now Mike Elko is going to start adding more of his players. And with the transfer portal, a lot of times you can do that even faster. Although, nobody's leaving. Like, everyone's coming back for Duke. Yeah. Um, So, we'll see. I mean, 
We'll see. Will we'll, our friend Josh Graham over there in the triad go three years in a row of picking the Coastal winner correct? Like, will he go out and pick Duke? Oh, that would uh, be just, just because it'll be a great talking point if he does. He would never do that. He would never do that. No. Uh, but, yes, you, uh, Duke with the win, 30-13 to 13 over Central Florida. And then a few hours later, it was the Holiday Bowl. And things were looking really good. You, uh, th- there was some weird stuff that happened earlier in the game. Some missed field goals, a doink field goal for UNC. It- it's a reminder. Here's, it's one of those things. I feel like we put too much pressure on college kickers because we put insane pressure on NFL kickers, right? Yes. If it's under 50 yards, we expect you to make it in the NFL. <laughs> it's a Unless layup. it's like snowing yeah. or super windy, then we may give you a pass, right? Under 50 yards, we want you to be 99%. Over the 50, now it's like between 50 and 60 in the game on the line. You're not expected to make it, but, like, the crowd's like, we think we can do this, you know? And that's an insane thing to do. Like, Justin Tucker has ruined it for everyone. Uh So then, I mean, if it's under 40 yards and you miss, it's like, you should be cut tomorrow. Absolutely. Those are the NFL expectations. But because we see it happen and we're like, come on, they're kickers. We're like, at the high college level, they should be pretty close to that, right? And there, there's not a lot of Chris Dunn's out there. Isn't that the NC State kicker's name? I think I get it right. It's backup guy here. Remember, don't shoot me if I get it wrong. Uh, but, like, when you have a reliable kicker who you feel like, you know, from 45 in is pretty darn good and might give you a chance at a 53 or 56-yarder, that is a really, really good thing to have in college, and you should hold on and cherish it. It makes life a lot easier. I think ECU would have had at least two more wins this year if they had gotten, again, not throwing the kicker under the bus, but just saying um, it should not be the expectation. But when you have that good kicker, things uh, are better. UNC, there's a couple games this year where that would have looked a little bit different if they had had a good kicker. But the defense got the job done for the most part. Mac Brown's got to go back and look at how he plays defense late in the game because it happened against NC State. This was one wasn't nearly as fast, but they were up ten points with nine minutes to go, yeah. and they immediately gave up one touchdown. It's one of those things that yeah, I I can't tell you the X's and O's of where you need to be between prevent and you know all out blitzing in those situations. But you just can't let them get huge chunks of yard, no. take no time off the clock, and score, and then feel the pressure, especially when your defense has done a good job all day, including, shout out to Power Eccles, with one of the better interceptions you'll ever see. A little bit lucky, yes, it like grazed off somebody's calf, then hit his toe. And I, I like, it's one of those things where, like, kicking the ball to yourself apparently is illegal, so that would have, like, negated the interception. Mm-hmm. So I, A, want to credit Eccles because I believe he did direct it with his toe a little bit towards his hands, and that is an incredibly skillful thing to do, (laughs) moving at high speed and the ball is, like, just bounced off somebody else. Right. But, like, B, I did not want him to get a penalty for that. I was going to be extremely upset if they were like, no, you can't do that. It's illegal. It's Like, I don't know why you – I feel like if the ball's in the air – and you can corral it by kicking it to yourself. Fair game. It, yeah. I'm I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. Especially because if like if you're the offense and you're trying to kick it to yourself, you're bringing a, a bad bounce in risk, like keeping the ball in the air. Like I I want crazy bounces. Sure. So hey, I don't I I 
I credit him for kicking the ball, and I'm very glad he didn't get called for kicking the ball because it would have been a way less cool play. Um, but that that led to a great end of half for UNC. They seemed to be in control of the game. They did what they needed to do. And then the end happened. Also, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I don't know if you were watching the game, Victoria, but they got called for failure to report. Like Now, usually when that happens, it's like you can – I won't claim to know all the rules, but there's alignment rules of, like, who's lined up where. And it used to be more like what number you're wearing, too. I think in college that still matters. Like, certain numbers can be certain places. But if you tell the official, hey, this guy's normally a lineman, is checking in as an eligible receiver, so, like, then then the, everyone's aware that that yeah. guy might go up for a pass, even though normally that would be illegal, right? Now, is this, this where that picture where the guy holding the, the jersey, jersey? This is a different yes. situation okay. because, and this is, like, Lane Kiffin who played yesterday, he has tried to use these rules to his advantage on, like, having players change jerseys but doing so in a legal way if you report in. Uh-huh. So then the other team might be is just looking at a number and being like, well, who's that guy? Well, UNC, I think it was more of a, like, Transfer portal, jersey on the road type thing. So they threw a jersey on you know, a guy just to go receive a punt. And I think all he did was a fair catch. I mean, it's a, yeah. If he didn't fair catch it, he didn't do anything significant. <laughs> but whatever they did, procedurally, they did it wrong. They did not check in officially. I don't think they were trying to be Lane Kiffin sneaky. Yeah. I think they were just trying to get through the game with a lot of you know players that weren't on the team the, the whole year. And so yeah. things changed a little bit. But... It's one of those rare calls that you see. And then, yes, it led to the great picture of <laughs> dude on the sideline holding the jersey. With and his it, face. And like the, the, the cameraman is, is focused on him, and it's leading the, the crowd to, like, I feel like imply, like, this is the guy who's thought it was. Yes. Right here. And I'm Boy, not man. sure. Like, I don't know. It might be another coach. It might be the coach that didn't tell the player, you know, what to say, what he right. whatever. Someone but like, could have just handed him a jersey and was like, give this to dude, this person. Dude on the <laughs> sideline holding the jersey definitely was made to look like he was guilty for that. <laughs> He's the next meme, at least for the rest of uh, the year. But, yes. But that that is what we love about bowl season. Um, and, and, actually, we got some great bowl season magic in another game. But, first, let's hear from Mac Brown uh, on the game. Here was his opening statement after the loss to Oregon. We're ready to play tonight. Um, played our hearts out. Um, very disappointed that we didn't win. Um, but we got to make a play here and there. And they're, they're a great football team. And nobody gave us a chance in the game. And we had a chance with one second left. And, and that's uh, all we could ask for in this situation. So proud of this team. Winning nine. Could have won 11, 12. Um, most of them are coming back, so it's uh, boats great for next year. Uh, I love these young guys. Uh, the, the saddest thing for me is, is that they played their hearts out, and they're one one point away from uh, being out there on the field and having a great time and feeling great about themselves. That's one of the very difficult things about about sports um, because there are actually two winners out there tonight because they played their guts out, and, and I'm really really proud of the, the way they played. Told them that. I said if we'd stop the fourth down play, uh, I'd be happier for them that we won, happier for our fans, our administration that we won. I wouldn't feel any different about them. They gave everything they had. Um, disappointed in the loss, but really, really proud. Thank, thank the Holiday Bowl and proud of our guys. Coaches, players, everybody came out here to win, and, and um, they gave it everything they had. Mac Brown's real good about turning uh, losses into wins. He does. There was one a few years ago where it was like, we didn't lose, we ran out of time. That was <laughs> yeah. solid. And this one, he just went straight up, two winners. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There's we two won winners. two. We won two. I, I understand his point on, 
on based on the way you, that you played the game, if a bounce had gone your way and you had won, you would have been more proud because I, I do I do believe that about coaches is uh, if the it's not the result, it's sort of the. Uh, the execution and the effort, right? Like, uh, and if you do the execution, and the effort, you know, more times than not, you'll get the good result, right? This time you didn't, and again, maybe a little examination of how we're playing defense in the final minutes, especially it just just hurt because defense has been UNC struggle all year. It was a mostly positive. They did give up the big sixty-yard run early, but they settled down after the first quarter and uh, did a, a mostly good job. Yeah. If, if you Drake May, we need you to score, you know. 28 points and and we would win the game that's uh, that would be okay right like it looked like they were like 24 or 14 might be enough 27 points might be enough sure it was not it was um, not i love how mac brown goes from one day talking about grabbing ankles the qb's ankles to mr positive he's, um, he's just trying to make light of it yeah speaking of drake may uh there was discussion we talked about this earlier about kicking if you do have that kicker that you believe in maybe you attempt a 58 yarder Maybe, but they went with the Hail Mary. I think that was the right choice based on knowing their personnel. And I know this is like dumb to say, like, you know, Drake May is obviously a great quarterback, but like, his, his Hail Mary didn't almost get caught, but like, Hail Marys are a little bit lucky anyway. Yeah. But the way he threw that thing, like, it it was a sharp Hail Mary. It was. It went high, it hung in the air, and it was like kind of, kind of, it was like, that looks like an Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary. Yeah. Like, that's, uh, <laughs> That was solid. Didn't get caught, though. Here is Mac Brown talking about his quarterback. Drake is, is an absolutely amazing person. Uh, he's a better person than he is quarterback, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And we had two of the best quarterbacks in the country tonight, and they showed that. And they, they put on the show that everybody thought they would put on. Uh, and here's Drake without an offensive coordinator. Uh, with a, 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 And I thought Lonnie Galloway did an outstanding job of, of he and John Lilly putting an offense together because we're – We've got a good offense. We just need to tweak it some. Uh, but again, here, here's Drake. Uh, he had an analyst coaching him for, for the last month, and, and he, he looked real good to me. He did look good. It'll be fun watching him next season. Of course, completing North Carolina Bowl week will be tomorrow. The Dukes-Mayo Bowl, Maryland versus NC State. Uh, State trying to get its ninth win of the season, much like UNC and Duke. Uh, the series is tied 33-33-4. and four. We'll talk to Anish Shroff later in the show about some Mayo Bowl, and we'll talk Panther since he does that as well. But I know nobody wants to hear this. The dream is dead of an undefeated bowl season, right? Mm-hmm. But the heels were 13 and a half one underdogs. They were. So if you're betting on North yeah. Carolina Bowl teams, you you're still, still undefeated, baby. <laughs> yeah, there Cent- was two winners. Central was that's right. Maybe that's what that problem is. Central uh was an underdog. They beat Jackson State. Wake was a small favorite. They won by ten, I believe. Uh ECU, small favorite, won by a bunch. Duke, small favorite, won by seventeen. UNC, thirteen and a half point underdog, lost by one. North Carolina still paying, baby. There you go. So NC State, we'll uh, we'll we'll check the line on that one tomorrow. The uh, the best bowl game of the day was the Liberty Bowl. Chip Patterson told us they did not have uh, water there. There was some problem there. This this has been happening a lot of places uh, apparently in the South where our systems are not made to withstand the cold nearly as much. So a lot of pipes were bursting. Winter all over the place. Uh, but Arkansas fifty five, Kansas fifty three in triple overtime. 
And this one looked like it was going to be uh, a blowout. It was 24-7, I think, after the first quarter. Kansas was down 18 in the fourth. Teams that were down 18 in the fourth quarter went 1-347 and in college football this year before this game. They got a score. This was interesting. They were, they were down 15. They scored a touchdown. And some people would say you go for two because you want to know what you need to do, right? Yeah. And most of the times I'm with whatever, like, the math says. This time I was kind of with the coach of, like, if you don't get it here and it's a nine-point game, your team's going to feel deflated. If they're only down eight, they still feel like they're in it, right? And Like, the momentum still feels like it's really in their favor. So he took the extra point, and then, darn, if they didn't execute the prettiest onside kick I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, my man was just in the clear scoop stats. We've got a score. You need four things to happen. You need a touchdown, a two-point conversion, an onside kick, and another touchdown, Mm -hmm. like in some order. So they got the touchdown. They got the onside kick. Then they got the the next touchdown, got the two-point conversion. The Kansas quarterback threw for 544 yards. Now, I know they played triple overtime. We only start from, like, the 25 for two of them. Yeah. And the third one is just a two-point conversion. So it ain't like he was racking up that many yards uh, in the extra period. It was just an incredible game. And then came down to like a a call that, I don't know, by the book might have been okay. The guy got hit. But basically, a dude for Kansas was trying to get in the end zone. And everybody's just like rushing to stop him. It's like any other like goal line scrum. So they're all just like diving at the guy that gets hit. So he's going down. Then helmets collide. Mm-hmm. They call it targeting. I just did not see it. No. it was, you're going to be like feel very bad if Arkansas lost because of this. Instead, they held on. They get the, the two-point conversion in the third overtime. Kansas doesn't get it. Uh, and that was the end. In the late game, Texas Tech rolled over Ole Miss. Um, I don't feel like talking about Lane Kiffin wanting to the rest. Maybe I'll bring <laughs> that up later. Uh, but the only other thing I saw that was noteworthy besides the bowl games yesterday, last night, much like Luka Doncic the night before when he did his 60-point, 21, and 10 assists, the stats were cool. But the coolest part to me was this was a nip-and-tuck game, and every single one of his points, rebounds, and assists was needed for the overtime win, right? Much was the case last night. When Zion Williamson put up a career-high 43, 14-21 for the field, 14-19 of 19 from free throw, five assists, three rebounds, and some, he was just bullying Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is uh, he's won Defensive Player of the Year multiple times. Uh, I'll let Brian Geisinger tell me who the best defender in the NBA is, but he's a pretty darn good one, even if he's getting blocks from, like, protecting the rim as opposed to, like, one-on-one. But Zion was like... It wasn't even great offense at times. He was just dribbling, looking, and it was like, you know what he's going to do, but yeah. you're not going to stop him. And he was just bullying Rudy Gobert on the way to the basket. Wow. And, and d- displaying the, 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 the one thing that he's known for, like quick hops, just jumping faster and higher than everybody else, and dunks, right? Doing that. Mm-hmm. But the one that he doesn't get as much credit for and that I was equally as impressed at this time at Duke is like he's got, I don't know who the best – he would say has the best touch, like an Iverson-like or other guys in the NBA uh, or, or like Manu Ginobili touch around the glass. Yeah. Sometimes it's spin. Sometimes it's high off the glass to go, you know, around a defender. Sometimes it's it's jumping high and hanging in the air, but then a little flip, to, yeah. you know, and he has got it, and it was all on display. Effortless. And the dunks are, like, fun. It would be more top ten worthy, but the 
Go look at the angles he uses off the glass, the spin he uses, the the touch he uses um, for his finishes. It's not just all dunks, and it's impressive stuff. And it was super cool to see Zion, uh, and, and including, much like we said about Luca, they needed every one of his points because he scored the last 14 points for the Pelicans in a one-point win, 119-118, uh, over the Timberwolves. He stole the ball. He, he had a sequence where he goes, like, lay up on a drive, comes back down, steals the ball with 45 seconds left, dunks it to go up two. Here's what it sounded like. Now, this led to, it, on the play, and here's how I saw it, there was definitely contact. There was a great no call because Zion like got the ball and was stealing it and running the other way kind of before they collided. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he fouled the guy to get the ball from him. He got the ball, and then in the process of continuing his motion, they brushed. But at that point, he already had the ball. Yeah, right? one like, didn't cause the other. Um, yeah, so I thought it was a great no call. and You want aggressive defensive plays like that. And it, it, it was just amazing. It's one of those, like, he is taking over the game. Yeah. Like, score, steal, score, all this one dude. Unbelievable. But he is very physical. At one point, he may have caught Go. It's, it's hard to tell if he caught him like with his shoulder. I don't think he did anything intentional or like an arm. Um, and after the game, D'Angelo Russell of the Timberwolves was complaining. I, I, don't, I don't even know if this was a complaint or if it was a compliment. When I read it, I thought it was a compliment. When you hear him say it, it sounds more like a complaint. I'll let you decide. Here's D'Angelo Russell. Chris Garland. Oh, uh, he's asking the question. It, it comes up in a second here. Sorry, the uh, the it's in the press conference. Here it comes. Yeah, I mean, just ran through my guy. Took the ball. He's playing football. We playing basketball. We can't touch him or guard him. So good for him. I can see where you'd be like. Oh, I don't think. It's, I think it's a like, compliment. No, nah, I think I think it was a complaint there because there again there was contact. I'm sure there been yeah. said you know, but I, I uh, that's how I would like basketball to be officiated. It's yeah. a sport where there there's going to be contact. Again, I think I thought he stole the ball before uh, they had contact. But it's it, again, if you read it, it sounds like a compliment. Like <laughs> yeah. Zion was taking it to Rudy Can't Gobert, and uh, Brian Geisinger described him as like a pick and roll unto himself because the pick and roll is all about like spacing and create you know creating. Yeah. You know, space between you and the defender. And Zion, like, does that by himself. Yeah. Not, like, pushing off. Like, just his body is large, and he uses it well, and he's fast and jumps higher and quicker than other people. And uh, it was just incredible to see last night. And he had a huge, like, Zion scream yeah. after, the, after the big dunk. He's but, he, but this D'Angelo Russell quote is going to – I haven't been watching the, the talk shows this morning. They're probably talking more NFL or whatever. But this is going to be a theme about Zion because he is that Shaq-like player where there are plenty – you know, there I, I saw in the replies to D'Angelo Russell's uh, quote – people with pictures of Zion going up and, like, four hands grabbing him. (laughs) I mean, he is in that Shaq mode of, like, yes, his body is going to knock people over and it's going to be difficult to to officiate him sometimes. And also, he's not going to get some fouls called against him when dudes are hanging on him. And and he's going to get fouled a lot that gets called. Um, and he, and he's still not going to get called every time he gets fouled, yeah. right? Like, both are going to be true. Basketball's he's going, physical. He's going to play happens. a physical game. But it's uh, people need to get 
on the Pelicans train. I know it's not the easiest team to root for because it's just weird and it's wonky and nobody likes the Pelicans. He's going to make people But they're fan. cool and fun and as been noted on this show many times, they have a lot more North Carolina connections than just Zion. Uh, they've got uh, Devontae Graham, uh, the, the kid from Virginia, his name is escaping me, uh, just a, a bunch of connections to the uh, the Pelicans, uh, and Brandon Ingram from Kinston. So uh, they're a fun team, and it was fun to see Zion going off last night.